0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta
1: professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, uh, great to be back with you here. First show in March, I believe. Yes. Um, I was on the DL last week, Graham. You were. Or the the pup List.
0: I think you were, you were placed on the Pup list due to a hyperextension of Atlanta sports depression.
1: Something like that, yes. Uh, also known as sick, the common cold. gram. not you sure you didn't have the coronavirus. Pretty sure, pretty sure. Although symptoms, they you're the one that read the subreddit today. I think they, yeah, it's true. Yeah. They can sometimes take five to ten days to fully show. Apparently, the longest period can be twenty-seven days.
0: Wow. So you could be a, ho- a host right now, and I could be totally fucked. I'm just gonna be spreading it everywhere. Probably be spitting on me and blowing your nostrils on me, and yeah, you're screwed, but mucus, mucus and.
1: All your sick, miscreant bullshit all over my body. Have you ever washed your hands or used hand sanitizer more in the last ten days than I? More in your life than in the last ten days? No, I mean i'm I'm pretty I'm pretty germophobic in a lot of
0: respects. Like i'll I'll always wash my hands after I go to the bathroom. Like for a while, I never touch bathroom handles. With my hands, like handle to the door, I always got paper towel. Paper towel guy, yeah, a big paper towel guy. And every time after I use the bathroom, especially at work, I always get hand sanitizer afterwards. So I'm like double duty: wash mm. hands, sanitizer. I get home from going somewhere, always wash hands. Which, um, no matter what, like, even before I go to the bathroom, before I urinate or defecate, I will wash my hands. Whoa, that's well, that's excessive. Because I'm going to touch. My, I mean, you know, I'm touching my private parts. I want to get all this bullshit the bullshit all over my private penis. Parts. <laughs> I say private parts. I usually mean, say penis, but you know, right. you know, you know. It's just like <laughs> I know a lot of people frown upon that. I'm just trying for ultimate sanitary health. I mean, that's an orifice. Your penis is an orifice. It can be your ass is a big orifice. So you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay safe out there. So
1: you're the you're the opposite of gay peacock. It sounds like
0: yeah. I I, I assume that gay peacock is a carrier of the coronavirus. If he, if he, well, down. if
1: he is a carrier, people are screwed. I've never seen this kid wash his hands once. He always touches other people's face with said hands. Yeah, he's a big face toucher. And and he'll shake your hand for both of your hands with both of his hands for at least... 45 seconds before right. letting go. And then he'll blow some snot out of his nostril straight onto the ground. Yeah. Spit. Well, that's a ground.
0: snot rocket. I mean, I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, but well, sometimes you gotta do
1: it. Well, just blow your nose into a handkerchief or a, what damn, are you, what are you or a damn tissue. What are you, a gentleman from the 1800s carrying a handkerchief around? I'm just saying, those are acceptable things to do. What? I mean, if you're out doing something athletic, you gotta blow a snot rocket. Blow it in your shirt. I don't wanna see that shit. Nah, sometimes you gotta do that. That's disgusting. I'm on Gabe's side on that one. But, uh... Okay, I didn't know you were that, that much of a germ guy. I've always been like... Not always yeah. been like that, but
0: especially over the last... I don't know. Medical things. You five, ten out. years.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm like,
0: it's not happening to me, goddammit. That's why you're the doctor on the show. Right. That's why I don't get sick. Last time I was sick was like two years ago. That's not to say I don't get sick, but I used to get frequently sick as a kid. You know, in the winter, in the fall. I got the flu in 2003. It was awful. 2003. I remember it was 2003 because I missed the Return of the King premiere night. The last Lord of the Rings movie. I was very upset by that. I had to wait until the following weekend to, to see the movie. And um, I was really upset I didn't get to go to opening night.
1: But, you know, it's okay. It must have been a very dark point of your childhood. It was, it was, it was awful. You poor bastard. It was awful. I was desperate to see that fucking movie. Yep. But anyway,
0: since then, I've tried to always be super sanitary and not, you know, take that shit for granted. Take my health for granted or anything. Like that. So I am not try to be as preventative as possible. Well, you know, the older you get, the more sick you're going to get, Graham. My so immune system, I think, the is the best the it's ever been. I think eventually, yeah, I
1: will recede, but right now I'm, I'm at the peak of my powers when it comes in my immune best system. it's ever been. Yeah, used to be in double A, and now it's hitting a, its age 26 season. I'm like Freddie Freeman uh, last year before his wrist went to shit.
0: That mm. 38 home runs, hitting close to 300, got a close 400 OBP. I'm 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 sailing 600 slugging. Better knock knock on some wood, slugging. Graham. I'm good. I don't need to, you know, I just, I just need to do what I need to keep doing. I'm sure next week they'll announce that I contracted the coronavirus and all my bullshit was for naught. But, you know, for now. Just keep your head down. Yeah, exactly. Just got to grind it out. But like, like us grinding out our lives, steady but sure, the Braves are grinding out spring training. It's been a quick spring training. There's only about, what, two and a half weeks left for, usually spring training feels like it takes eons. This time it's gone by like that. And I think now that it's been about three weeks since it started, we have an idea of how things are going for a lot of, a lot of guys. Um, A.J. Minter, Chad Sabatka were sent down. No surprise there considering the bullpen depth. We've had a hell of a battle at third base and for the last two spots in the starting rotation. Where
1: would you like to start today? Well, we got, I think we got to mention the bullpen as well. Okay. Uh, let's start with third base. Yes,
0: let's start with third base. So right now as of this recording, so we recorded this on March tenth, Tuesday. We have Camargo and Riley going back and forth. Camargo is hitting three oh eight on base percentage of three thirty three, slugging five hundred. Riley is hitting three twenty on base of three forty six, slugging six hundred. Riley's got two homers, Camargo's got one. They both struck out five times. Um you know, it's a really even competition. And it's tough to know who's going to come through. And Snipker apparently has been apprehensive about having both of them on the roster. You know, I think one of them will go down to to A based off his comments to the press the other day, um, just so that whoever doesn't get the job is getting more regular at bats. But it sort of begs the question I'm going to take some, you know, throw some shade at them, I'll be here. But why the hell can't we just get in DH in the National League? It's like, you know, if the Eastern Conference for some reason in the NBA wasn't allowed to have the three-point line. I just don't get it. Maybe it's not that extreme, but it changes the game. There's literally a job being taken away from Austin Raleigh, potentially.
1: Yeah, 15 guys are losing jobs because of this. Um, And it is silly. I know Snicker said that. I don't know if they're going to follow through on that because, I mean, you would think you want to take your best players up. And, like, I know Camargo struggled in the role he was given last year, but also... He wasn't given the role that we were kind of told in spring training last year where he was going to get three starts a week. That didn't happen. Yeah. Snicker Snicker. kind of just stuck with his normal, these are my guys, I'm going to start them every day. And I still just think that needs to change. Like, Camargo is a super utility. Give him a start at shortstop once a week, give him a start at third, put him in the outfield, put him at second base once a week. That's a weapon. And it just seems silly to have... Uh, Charlie Culberson with a job, but not Johan Camargo. I agree. And I
0: think one thing that is also really fascinating to me is that you look at the outfield situation. You know, we know Ozuna, despite his struggles, I think he's hitting below 100 right now. Doesn't look great. But he's going to be on the roster, for God's sake. I mean, don't, don't worry about that. You know, we have Ozuna. We have Acuna. The other position in the outfield is a mystery to me as to who's going to get the majority of the playing time. Why not do something maybe a little drastic for the sake of your offense in the sense where you could have Ozuna and Acuna in the outfield and then you have Riley or Camargo man, one of the corner outfield positions, preferably probably uh, left field. Why not do that? And then have the other guy play third base.
1: Maybe they'll surprise us. I don't know because Ender, I was I was looking at Ender's He's, got, he's kind of been just sliding under the radar as a given that he's going to be a starting center fielder. It it's seems ridiculous. like
0: ridiculous. I don't understand why the hell and Snicker continues this spring training. I know it's spring training, but to hit him in the leadoff spot. And I'm not saying that's going to happen because he's already said Acuna's is going to, you know, Acuna is the leadoff guy. But like, why don't why, you know if he's going to be on the roster? Why not hit him in a position where it's actually more realistic? He is an on base
1: percentage void,
0: a vacuum. He, he's awful.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I I think I did one of those things where I don't don't actually listen to what you said. Remember how we practiced our positive uh, listening exercises a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you just say something about Ender hitting first? Ender's hit first when he started. Oh,
0: in spring training. spring training. He's not hitting first. But my point in that is is saying, like, why not hit him somewhere where he actually will hit during the season if he's going to be on the team? As so, opposed to saying, Ender, go hit first because you are the old school, prototypical leadoff hitter because you play center field. And
1: so we're, we're debating leaders. Brian Snitker's spring training lineups now. I just think it's that's stupid. just silly. It, it is silly, but Brad, it's also it's silly <laughs> to hit him in that position. It's a sp- it's like split squad games. Practice like you play. Okay, Th- that's that's ridiculous. Um, but he's sliding under the radar. Like, I don't I mean, think Charlie Culverton's hitting the leadoff tonight. You think that, you know, he's going to hit Charlie on the leadoff spot? And that is ridiculous. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm being absurd. That's a
0: terrible take. I'm just right? taking more shots at Ender, not because I don't like Ender, but just because I don't think he
1: deserves a starting role on this roster. Well, here, here's the biggest thing, issue with your plan, Graham, uh, to have Riley and left or Camargo in left. Um, Azuna's. We've said Ozuna's not the greatest defensive outfielder, so then that would mean him moving over to right field. Like I said, it's definitely more to help the offense than it is to help the
0: defense. But I think, considering that you you don't have Josh Donaldson anymore, you need to
1: fortify the offense as much as possible. I mean, I, I, I was going to go with my boy Duvall. He's been hitting the cover off the ball. He's done well. I think he deserves that job over Ender. I would agree, even though Ender provides... And the Every- only reason I want Ender is to be a
0: defensive replacement late in games. That's it. Not a pinch runner, because I, I don't think he's – he's not that fast. It's, it's just he is still good defensively when he's when he's healthy. And I don't really – you know, it, it begs the question why you even need Nick Marcakis to be brought back at this point when you have a guy – when you have NCRT, Nuvall, potentially Riley, even though I know he's not going to play outfield. But it's like Nick Marcakis doesn't really have a – spot here to me he's gonna get one but he doesn't really he's not necessary it's good bad off the bench i guess it's better than so you'd rather have him get a job than than camargo or riley uh no i don't know who the odd man out is or whoever the odd man out is i'd rather have that odd man on my bench than, than mark i would rather have camargo for his versatility and austin riley for his power and just because of how much better he looks in the box. I mean, I actually watched a little bit over the weekend and saw it a bat, and I was like... And it's hard, like I said, it's hard to judge spring training for a multitude of reasons that we mentioned a few weeks ago. You know, you don't have guys who are going to be playing every day. The pitches you're facing as a batter may not be a guy who's going to be on the roster, but he's just looks more confident. He's laying off pitches in the dirt, and he's not striking out as much. And he's actually, you know a three forty six on base percentage isn't the best thing in the world, but it shows that he's actually able to draw a couple of walks and limited action so I mean it's been nice to see what's your gut telling you who wins this job I think camargo i here's what I think will happen and here's who what I want to happen. I think Camargo's gonna win um but I would rather have Riley because we know how good he can be when he's on, and he looks on right now and I don't think he's going to get to the heights of of what he did last year in that epic, you know, three-and-a-half, four-week run, whatever it was, where he was just tearing the cover off the ball. But that will make your offense that much deeper if you have a guy like Riley hitting fourth or fifth than it will Camargo, even though Camargo, when he's on, is very good. Offensively, he's nowhere close to just the the sheer power and, and having the ability to carry a team like Austin Riley can. He provides protection for Freddie Freeman if he's your four guy even though I know Ozuna will profile as, as the cleanup guy, but it's just it deepens your lineup more than Camargo will.
1: Yeah. I, I think Austin Riley's going to win it. I think they're going to go with him. I think this has been their plan the last three years. It's like, th- this was his year. This was Austin Riley's year, and I think he's shown enough that they're going to give it to him. And like, just like you said, that uh, the potential, I mean, it really does lengthen it. And Camargo coming off the bench, it's got to happen. And it's not like you could
0: actually put that plan into place that you were talking about. Camargo can give Freddie Freeman a day off at first. He can give Ozuna a day off and left. He can give Riley a day off and...
1: Dansby doesn't need to play every day.
0: No, he can definitely play short. He can play second when Ozzie needs a day off. Ozzie has had a a quietly a very good spring training as well. Um, And unrelated news there. But we we already know how consistent Ozzie was getting last year. I don't want to derail us. But, yeah, I, I don't see why you couldn't have Camargo... Fulfill a multitude of roles if you're not going to do that suicide idea of him and Riley playing
1: in the same lineup. But you got to think about it this way, like I mean, we everyone's seen how just exhausted our starters were, like our everyday players in the playoffs the last two years. Mm. If you can give them, say they play 150 games instead of 162, 140, why not? Why can't the Majority of the players get twenty games off. I don't know, but that the, the point is that's an easy eighty starts for Camargo. You know, yeah. Guy gets hurt too. He can play an everyday role. So I mean, it it just seems. I don't know. It's a good it's a good problem to have, for sure. That I mean, we have a depth, a lot of depth in a lot of different areas right now. Uh, a lot of tough decisions to make, and Snit said he's he knows he's going to have a couple very tough days uh, in the next week or two.
0: But this is a good problem to have. It's not like either one of those guys came out and just fell flat on their face. And you're like, God, what are we going
1: to do? Yeah, and it, and it usually, I mean, these things usually work themselves out one way or another. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a, little, uh, feel a little anxious to see how, how it gets played
0: out. Well, I think what's going to be interesting to watch over these next couple of weeks is that the ro- rosters are getting cut down. We've seen the Braves send a number of guys back to AAA. And... Now we'll see over the next couple of weeks, and this not only affects Camargo and Raleigh, but also affects guys like Felix Hernandez, Sean Newcomb, and, and Kyle Wright. We're going to start seeing more Major League caliber uh, lineups every day. It won't just be, hey, we're throwing everyone in the kitchen sink at you. It'll be, these are the guys who are going to be playing. Let's really start to gauge how our, our position battles are playing out against Major League caliber talent across the board. It's no longer going to be, hey, Felix Hernandez is facing some guy who has no chance to be uh, on the team. He struck him out great. It's going to be Felix Hernandez is facing a real, you know, a, a player who's going to be on a major league roster. Same with, with, with Austin Riley and, and Camargo when they're, when, they're at, when they're at the plate. So I think the next couple of weeks, I think there's no way you make a decision yet. You let these next couple weeks
1: fuel your evaluations. Yeah, and it's not not a coincidence that a guy like Acuna, I'm going to steal your numbers here, is hitting a slash line of 115, uh, 179 on base percentage. 115 slugging. 115 slugging versus Camargo and Riley, who are battling for a starting spot, are much more locked in. Mm -hmm. Acuna's working on things. He's swinging first pitch every single time out there. Um, He's not locked in. I mean, like Soroka... Wasn't pitching that great until today, really. He was kind of working on things versus, like I said, King Felix. He's battling. Kyle Wright's battling for a job. Sean Newcomb is battling for jobs. And those guys are all pitching great. Right. Tiki
0: Toussaint looked good last night. Four innings, one hit. Yep. Three strikeouts. So, yeah, everybody's working on different things, and everybody's in a different position. But the position battles overall have been really interesting to to, to follow in the sense that the, the guys that were looking to hopefully carry us forward and, and – and Fill voids that have either been left behind by injury or free agent de- free agency departures are, are really stepping up to the plate.
1: No pun intended. Uh, they're, they're having the discussion about our pitching today on 680 The Fan, where um, it's just this depth that we have at pitchings where we can go what eight, nine guys comfortably that you can throw out there for major league start. You got Soroka, Fulty, Freed, Newcomb. King Felix, Tukey, Kyle Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, who else am I missing? Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, like he's had a good spring too. I mean, that depth is going to play a role at some point this yeah. year. Um, and that we might not have like the two huge aces yet. We can't compete with like what the Nationals have with, at the top of their rotation or the Mets, but that depth. Is going to keep us going throughout the year. Yeah. It's not to say none of those guys can't, can't emerge either
0: to provide more than what we're expecting. Not sure. to say they will, but certainly a possibility. It's out there. Yeah, Let's talk about this pitching battle. we got Felix Hernandez who turned another great start last night as a sub-2 ERA 1.98. Kyle Wright has a 2.16. Nuke is sitting at a cool 2.00. Uh, all these guys have looked pretty sharp. And Felix Hernandez, I think, has been the most impressive to me in the sense of just he looks like he's back from the grave he's definitely looks you know, actually watching him more he looks leaner than he has in probably four or five years still don't have the velocity but he's doing a better job of of, of attacking with limited stuff you can see the adjustment in the way he's pitching um so i've I've been impressed with what he's doing but i still am leery to give him the one of the jobs yet just i just want to see like i was saying how he's going to perform against uh a lineup in which every guy is going to be a major league caliber player i'm really interested in seeing that But but it was great the other night when he was he got into some trouble gave up a run but he was able to get out of trouble and not nibble he was still attacking and still inducing weak contact which was which was really encouraging to see. This is a different Felix Hernandez than I've ever seen before, and that's not a bad thing, especially considering where he is in his career right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, like I said, see how it plays out. But I think, I mean, he and Newcomb, I think the easiest decision is to go with King Felix and Newcomb, and let Kyle Wright pitch for a little bit in the minors. See yeah. what happens. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um. And, and Nukem has has kept
0: his walks down he's looked good um definitely in more of that attacking mentality that we saw in the earlier portion of the year last year we switched to the bullpen um you know there's 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 not a lot of no not a lot of nibbling there I like right stuff a lot there's part of me that kind of just wants to say fuck it go with the young guys go right Nuke, and cuz who knows when Felix Hernandez is going to blow up
1: but you got nothing to lose with going with Felix like if if he sucks in his first 5 starts cut bait Right, whatever.
0: True, and that way, Kyle Wright doesn't have the pressure that was put on him last season. We had to start in that that series in Philly.
1: Yeah, that was f- like open the
0: season. How the hell did that happen? We had
1: Julio starting game one, and then Bryce Wilson game two, still, Kyle Wright game I'm still three. Still
0: expecting Julio Tehran somehow to be the opening day starter, even though he's on the Angels. I'm just expecting it to happen. I've, I, I I had to do
1: a Google search of Julio to see how he was doing with oh, yeah. the Angels
0: so far. What's, what's 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 his spring training been like?
1: Uh, he I th- he had a He went, like, four scoreless in one start. That's all I saw. Mm. Uh, Angels fans don't seem to have much of an opinion on him either way. I think they're so used to mediocre pitching that he'll fit right then. Although, I mean, last year... They need a workhorse,
0: though, and that's what he is. Yeah, he will provide you innings, and he doesn't get hurt. And, I mean, last year was one of the better years he's had in a while, but if, (laughs) if the track record's any indication, he'll have a down year this year after having, like, a decent year last year. One guy that hasn't looked good at him is, is your favorite player, Mike Fultonavich. Finally had a good start the other night. Um, but overall it's been a rough spring for him five one four ERA and I won't I'll be honest in saying that I haven't really watched any of his spring training starts at all. But I think n- no one in the organization seems worried about where he is right now, and I think obviously him, Freed and and Soroka are are locks heading into the start of the season and the end of spring training.
1: Voltage just still has – he's got a short leash for me, Graham. A very short leash. That's I, understandable. I just don't trust him anymore. Um, he's just too hit or miss. He's, he's a very volatile pitcher,
0: not just with his stuff but with his emotions. I think down the stretch last year he proved that hes he still has something to, to offer and he can still be a really good pitcher. I mean, think about that game when he was matching uh, – DeGrom, pitch for pitch. He pitched like eight innings against the Mets in, in August. And down the stretch, he was just lights out last year. Had that great start in game two. Obviously game five,
1: we know what happened there. But, but that's the perfect example. Like game two, he's an ace. Right. Game five, eh, there goes the season. Yeah, you don't know what you're
0: going to get. But I'm hoping that what we saw at the end of last year, where there was consistency through August and September, can be applied to the start of this season, and that he just, you know, he isn't injured either, which was a big deal for him last year. He said he couldn't throw his his off speed pitches with any confidence because he thought he was going to, you know, rupture his elbow or whatever, and that affected his emotional state and affected his actual stuff. So I think he's got a clean bill of health heading into the season. So there should be no uh, there should be no fear. There should be no aversion to going out and and being the faulty of old. So I, I still have faith in him more than you, I would say. But I, I get it's pretty your, rare. I get your apprehension completely with Fawlty just because the track record has been all over the place for the most part. I'm just holding on to that small sample of the, the last couple months of the season last year, honestly, and and just reading about how he went through being demoted, getting his shit figured out. And, and coming back with a, with a vengeance down the stretch last season that I hope that just carries over okay. into the next year.
1: I think my boy Anthopolis is going to solve all of these issues and finally grant my wish and trade Fulte and Ender before the beginning of the season. For what? You yeah, uh, don't have to say for who, but what What are you, what are you filling in? <laughs> um, Shoot. What issue could that have? <laughs> we have so much depth at him. Center fielder? We'll go center fielder. Center fielder. So we'll still have... And, uh, and a, uh, a, a young pitching prospect to, uh, you know, we're starting to deplete our system now. We, we need to have some uh, prospects down the line Yeah, still. get a young pitching prospect for
0: Ender and Ciarte, who's been injury-prone and probably doesn't have a lot of value right now. And Mike Fultonavich, who's the pitching embodiment of bipolar disorder.
1: But you just said you
0: trust him. Yes, but he's still very, <laughs> he's still very, uh, I, like I said, he is still very volatile. I, I get where you're coming from. I get the hesitation around him. I get potentially wanting to, to see what else is out there or, or
1: dangling him as trade bait. Well, I don't know what we need because then we got Pache coming up. But he, does, he definitely doesn't look, Pache does not look ready with the bat. Hit a home run tonight. I know he hit a bomb tonight, but still.
0: No, I think he needs more time, and that's okay. I'm hoping he still has, uh, he's still able to get up here at some point this year to help us out. Even though I know our outfield is sort of backlogged with Ender and Markakis and Duvall, but the potential of Pache over those guys at this point is uh, it's Pavlovian. It makes me drool. I think, even though he's had he struggled in spring training. I mean, he struggled in Triple A last year, so I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting him to break camp with the team or anything like that. But you know. There's no rush with him either. I don't think. Would I like him to be our opening day one of you know our opening day corner outfielder center center fielder? Sure, but I knew that was unrealistic heading done considering his struggles last season.
1: I feel like I remember a rant you going on about how Drew Waters should just be our starting left fielder.
0: Don't think I said that. No, it was probably some other crazy that white wasn't guy. You. Yeah, there's a lot of those out there. Indeed. So I think that. About wraps up, or are you concerned at all about Marcelo Azuna?
1: No. Same thing with Acuna. Acuna, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, Azuna's, he's a veteran. He's not going to be a 100 hitter. No. Um, he's getting acclimated. Did, did we talk about all about him? People made such a big deal about him saying that he would have signed the one year deal with the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, the funny thing about that was, is I read that way before this was became a huge issue. Like, I read that, like, a month and a half ago, like, before spring training started. Yeah. So I don't know why it came out over the last two, three weeks where people started talking about this. I was like, okay. I guess nobody else read that article. But, yeah, for those not familiar, I was talking to an old St. Louis baseball writer, St. Louis uh, dispatch baseball writer, and said, you know, if I could have done it differently, I would have taken the, the Cardinals' deal. And it was a very odd conversation. He said the Cardinals offered him, like, 178 One-year deal. He didn't take it because they wanted to see what was on on the open market. He wasn't getting the offers he was looking for. got a multi-year deal from Cincinnati, but he didn't want to do that. And then the Braves come in and offer him like $200,000 more or something for a one-year deal, and he takes that. But But the Cardinals still had their offer on the table, so I I don't understand why he would take the Braves' offer other than... Was it
1: still on the table? I I know there's something with theirs being attached to draft picks, so they might have pulled it.
0: Maybe they did. But they're getting a compensatory, uh, com- compensatory draft pick because he signed with the Braves. Oh. So I don't think that, you know, they would have kept that. I think they would have kept their offer on the table unless they were like, no, screw you, go sign him we'll go get the draft pick. That's, that's the only reason. The point can't is go. he
1: wasn't saying he's not happy to be here. No. Like it makes sense if you were only going to get a one-year offer. Yeah, you know, probably want to stay with the team that's also good. Yeah,
0: it's just odd that you know. From what I remember from the story, of it seeming like the Cardinals still have the offer on the table, We well, took the Raves' offer anyway. I don't know. I don't really care. I, don't, I think it's a non-story. Yeah. I don't really give a shit. He's here, and I think he's going to – if he's not motivated to perform this year, then he doesn't need to be playing baseball because this is – you know, he's, he's getting closer to 30. He's had two injury-prone seasons, disappointing seasons in St. Louis, even though he's provided power. Um, you know he's not the threat he was when he had that breakout season with the Marlins in 2017. So if he's not ready to get his shit in gear and really have a, a outstanding season, he's not going to get a big offer next year. Or so he needs to get his shit together. So I'm not concerned about this. He should have plenty of motivation. All right, Adam. I think that covers the the Braves this week. Moving on to the Hawks. Hawks finally won game 20. Adam. Beat, beat the Charlotte Hornets in double overtime last night. I watched every second of the game. And it was one of the worst games I've ever watched in the history of professional basketball. It was exciting offensively. But there was zero defense being played at all, except John Collins had a couple of nice blocks. There was a couple stops at the end of one of the overtimes. Yeah, but it was just... Like, there was one... I can't remember who it was. It was Scary Terry Rogier or one of those damn... With the Martin brothers or whatever the twins. Yeah, who the hell are those guys? I, I know of them. It's, it's crazy that they're on the same team. But anyway, somebody just went right past Trey. All five of the, of, all four of the other Hawks on the the court just stood there, and it was just the easiest layup in American history. And there were just so many plays like that on both sides, where it's just guys have these wide open shots, no one's contesting, no one gives a shit, flat footed, standing around. It was bad basketball all around. And it just my enthusiasm for the NBA has never been at a at a lower point than it is right now. Well, I get no enjoyment out of watching anything at, at this point. I mean, like, I won't say that. That's a little hyperbolic, but, or hyperbolic, but I, it's just not as fun to watch. And it's not just because the Hawks are a young team that are trying to figure their shit out and have an identity crisis. And it's it's just boring. Even watching LeBron and whoever else, I'm just like, I don't care. This is like, backyard basketball where guys are just chucking shots up and doing crazy stuff and no one gives a shit about playing defense more
1: so than ever before well are you actually sitting and watching like full nba games that aren't the hawks i've watched enough because i i mean it's kind of like it always ramps up uh the defense ramps up as the playoffs approach oh yeah so the playoffs play people f- will play defense. For games that actually matter yes. i think that's part of the issue is we just watch I mean, not a single Hawks game has mattered all year, basically. That's true. That's true. I mean, Maybe that's an unfair so That criticism. game last night, Hawks and Charlotte, just two teams that have nothing to fight for at all. Yeah. I don't know. I and mean, it sucks that you would, you would think that these guys would be fighting their asses off every night. but
0: And I'm not saying they're, they're not exuding effort or anything. It's just there's not a lot going on defensively.
1: But on the positives, because even talking about defense is boring as hell. Yes, who gives a shit really at the end of the day. If they don't care, I certainly don't care. Right. As long as you win the ballgame one way. Uh, Cam Reddish, again. Looking much better. Just all the time. Offensively. He's been a top three
0: rookie since the All-Star break. I mean, his stroke on his shot is so much better. The shots are falling
1: and he he's, looks, I mean, he's big. Like, he looks yeah. like a beast out there. Yeah,
0: he's being more aggressive. He had one play last night where he was driving to the hole and took two guys on at once, which was, which was a little extreme, but he almost made the shot. There's a lot more confidence in his game, and that's just continuing to grow all season, which has been nice to see. He's been more consistent from three-point range, and it's, uh, we're starting to see the worm turn on him again. And I'm really glad that Coach Pierce and company have given him a long leash.
1: I don't, I'd, I'd like to see him in the starting lineup some. I feel, I feel like he's played better than Herter at this point. Yeah, I would rather see him herder Herter. has Herter. got a little ender in Ciarte going with him right now. Yeah, he does. He's not really giving
0: you much. Trey had a nice game. And one thing I will say about last night's game I did appreciate is that Trey was looking to pass first. He had like 16 assists or something like that. But, the, but because he was looking to pass first, even though he took a, a number of those long shots, you know, he made a shot from the logo, that was pretty crazy. Um, near the edge of the, the, the center court
1: logo. He just popped it. and I was like,
0: what are you doing? And they made it. And I was like, okay.
1: I, I do hate, though, I, I can't remember if this was the re- end of regulation mm-hmm. or the first overtime, but, like, we had, like, 20 seconds on the shot clock or something, and Trey's just standing out there the whole time and waits to go until, like, five seconds on the clock. And then he just ends up shooting a three and missing it. Right. And the whole time Dominique is, of course, like, What you don't want to do is sit here and wait until there's five, six seconds on the clock to go. you got to start moving that ball around, and then he's just sitting there dribbling, not doing anything. Of course. Um, But I think outside of a couple of those
0: moments, there was a lot more action passing the ball, and everyone was getting into it. The ball movement was a lot better last night, and that's also probably because Charlotte played worse defense than than the Hawks, and they were dominated up and down the court from the perimeter I mean, I think the first quarter the Hawks were shooting like 71% or something like that. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. John Collins dominated 12-13 from the field. Uh, I think 29 points, double-digit rebounds. Uh, His he,
1: one miss, he put back the offensive board. Yeah,
0: he, he was an absolute monster last night. They had no answer for him. That was uh, really great to see. And hearing him talk about how he thinks that he's just getting started and that even though the numbers are good, like he's he's averaging – a double double right now, scoring over twenty points, over ten rebounds a game. He's like, I, that's not good enough. Yeah, that's really fantastic. to hear him say. It's like that's that. That's like I'm. I'm happy to hear that. You know, everybody. You know, people are happy with how I'm playing, and the accolades are nice. But I, I don't really.
1: Care. Well, he damn well better be motivated. Yeah, for after sure. that damn screwing story. our season no, over. I think
0: he's he's head down, busting his ass, doing his thing on in, in the interior. His his game is just continues to impress me every time I watch him. And. Trying to think of who else showed out last night. It was really, it was really John Collins and Trey once again doing their thing.
1: Like twenty-two from Cam, like and Cam of fourteen course. from Hunter.
0: Yeah, DeAndre. I don't know. I feel like he disappears a lot. I don't know where he is on the court. He's not really a playmaker offensively and defensively. Even though we talked about the pedigree from Virginia, I just haven't really seen. Enough from him to really say, like, I think he's still a work in progress. There's no reason to think he's, he's a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. But, and he's had moments this year, and he hasn't been, like, garbage or anything. I mean, far from it. But, and he, and he was quiet at Virginia, too. I think he still needs some time to, to, to grow into his body in the NBA, his NBA body.
1: The, the big question, Graham, are you making it to a game this year? This this Saturday. I'm going. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to watch the Hawks play the Cavaliers. Nice.
0: Yeah. That's good. Been squawking about it. I know. I'm going to a game. i will like to go to another one as well before the season rolls out. Maybe we should figure... We should go Zion. Zion comes in at, at the end of the month
1: on Monday, so tickets shouldn't be terrible. Yeah. Uh, Zion, man. Would have been nice if we got that number one pick this year, Graham. Yeah, he's looked like a beast since he's
0: healed from his injury. Yeah. Uh, something that happened last week the show we didn't do, where the Hawks were beaten by, like, 39 points by the Grizzlies, was, uh I think the Hawks broke Void Pierce that night. Yeah. After the game, he was just like, I don't know what to say. If you guys want to have any questions, I don't have anything to say. And the fact that they lost by four 39 points was insane. I think they were favored in that game, weren't they? They shouldn't have been. I mean, the Grizzlies are still fighting for a playoff spot. But the the Grizzlies missed, like, I think, 12 shots in the first quarter. Or maybe it was the first 12 shots or something. And it was just bad basketball in the first half. In the second half, the Grizzlies ran away with it. But, I mean, they, they were fighting for... They're still fighting for a playoff spot. They still have something to, to, to prove. And it was like the Hawks were just sleepwalking through the whole game. And there's just been too many performances like that throughout the season. You'll still get, you know, your big Philly upset that the Hawks had at home uh, in February and things like that every once in a while. But... It's hard to really know what you what you got, not only in the in the Hawks team, but in the coaching staff. And the only only thing that I'm I'm pretty much sold on is that Trey Young's a superstar. John Collins is excellent, and a, a budding potentially budding superstar. Cam Reddish is better offensively than a lot of people thought he was going to be. And outside of that, I don't really know. I don't really know what to think about anybody. And that Clint Capella will eventually contribute.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. We, we haven't seen, I think seeing Capella at the end of the year will kind of yeah. give us a lot of signs for what next year is going to be like. I just want to flush this season down the toilet.
0: I really just i am I'm over it. I'm done. Watching a Hawks game is like a, a mental exercise or something. It's, it's <laughs> it can be hard to get through sometimes. But that's expected with where this team is at. And, I, and it's unfair for me to expect the world, not that I expect the world from them, but to maybe
1: be a little put off by their style of play when they're all so damn But they young. certainly played better last year, like, in the second half. They did. I mean, they were a lot more fun to watch last year, I felt like. Yeah. Um.
0: And so that's why I'm still like, hey, give Lloyd Pierce another year. Let's figure this shit out. Hopefully we have no horrible... You know, and the Hawks have been injured a ton, and Trey Young brought that up during the Grizzlies game, uh, how many guys they have on on the block. And he was like, look, we need more guys in, in, in uniform than in suits on the sideline, which I thought... Yeah, damn Bembry's been out forever. Yeah, which I thought, you know, he makes a good point, but probably shouldn't say that after you got your ass whipped by 39 points. Like,
1: Did you care about... You all shouldn't
0: have, like, you know, I'm interested in hearing hearing that as a fan.
1: Well, did you care about him uh, exchanging jerseys with Ja Morant after that ass kicking? Um, like on the court, like, smiling, holding up the other guy's jersey? It
0: doesn't bother me as much... As it bothers I get why it would bother somebody. I, I totally understand that. For me, it was more you know the kind of culture that's in the NBA is that I think there's just such a camaraderie between the players more so than there ever was. And I think this has been going on for the last 10, 15 years. You know you think back to the rivalries of Magic and Bird, Jordan versus the you know the Utah Jazz. The, you know, the Spurs versus the Lakers in the early 2000s, the Kings versus the Lakers, rivalries like that. And, you know, these guys, you know, probably have respect for each other. They fucking hated each other. It was nasty, badass basketball, especially in the playoffs. Now, you don't get that as much. It just seems like even during the season, everybody's kind of kumbaya after the game, even during the game. Not to say they're not competitive, but it's just a different culture is a different environment it's a different level of maturity as well between these two guys who you know one's a rookie and another's a second year player obviously have a ton of respect for each other I'm not bothered by it as much because it's not like Trey Young doesn't want to win or anything like that I think he just respects Jaw and Jaw respects him they wanted to have a moment after the game now doing that after you get your ass kicked like that probably isn't a great look look. but I don't you know it's not you know we're not gonna remember this next year it's not a big deal who gives a shit it's not like you know. he need
1: something to talk about on the radio, I guess.
0: But it's not like you know Trey Young's averaging six points and three assists, and then you know he's a total bust, and then he's going out there being like, it's, and then going out there being like, "Hey, John, let's trade jerseys." Yeah. You know, it's 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 it's. I don't really care. It's, it's it's.
1: This is the new NBA. His defense is very troublesome to me, though. Like, no, Trey is a bad defender. Like, there's no if ands, or buts. And about how we it. work around that, and will he ever get better? I still think he's not a finished. So, do, do you think he's? Um, we need to see something. Some some of the comparisons you see on him. Do you yeah. like? I mean, if he's like an Allen Iverson. Yeah. Allen Iverson was the same way. Got awful defense, but and you kind of build around him, which is what I think they're trying to do with long wings like mm-hmm. um, Reddish and Hunter, um, or like a Steve Nash. That's who Trey compares himself to. Yeah.
0: Nash wasn't a great defender at but all.
1: neither of those guys won any championships, keep in mind.
0: True. And, you know, you look at guys like Russ Westbrook, James Harden. You know, those those guys are not good defenders either, but they light the scoreboard up every night. But no championships. But no championships. But they're also still playing. It's yet to be seen what they can do before their careers are over. But I'm not as concerned with Trey's defense at the moment. But, just because I think he can get better at the same time, it would it would be interesting. The thing that worries me about it is that the more this team doesn't succeed, the more patterns will start to set in, in the sense that, you know, not that I think Trey thinks it's acceptable, the level of defense he's playing, but it's sort of like, <laughs> I'm this good. I'm, you know, on Sports Center all the time, I'm all-star starter, I'm third in the league and scoring, in the second in assists or whatever the hell it is, you know, he knows he's a good player. I don't think he takes that for granted, but I don't think, you know, the defensive side has never been his strong suit, but it's just one of those things where it's like, if it's acceptable, which I think right now it is, if that continues, then it's only going to get worse his level of defense, not in the sense that his skills will physically diminish, you know, next year or anything, but the mindset, the mentality of sort of this, I would not even say lackadaisical effort, but just where his defense is just kind of seems to be acceptable. And maybe I'm projecting that, but that's just how it feels right now whenever it's brought up, and it can't be acceptable. We It has to get better. He's acknowledged that, but I don't see it. And I think that that's not being drilled into his head by this, by this coaching staff, or he's not listening to them, or what I don't know. That's all conjecture on my part, but it just doesn't seem like I've seen progression at all from Trey in his defensive game, whereas I continue to see the progression offensively. I just feel like it's going to become pattern if it continues.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, this, that comes down to the Lloyd Pierce question again. Is he the guy? Right. So, I agree with you. Next year is Lloyd Pierce's year, though. It's do it or don't next year. Yeah,
0: and he already has gone on record saying we have to be a playoff team next year. And that's fine. I think that's great that he's saying that. And that should be the expectation next season. Lloyd was saying that? Lloyd said that on the... I think on ninety yeah. last week, after it was it was shortly after that Memphis debacle, as well. So, and I think it's another one of those things where it's just this season is just sucks so much for everybody. And you know, like I said, flush it down the toilet, just get through it, and then let will start fresh next year and really build towards something. But part of that is Trey getting better on defense because the majority of of great players in the NBA are guys who handle the ball all the time, the point guards. And, you know, even LeBron's pretty much a point guard now. I mean, he has been for the last seven, eight years. Yep. So it's like, if you can contain guys like that, or at least, you know, don't let them dominate the game to the point where they just become ridiculous, then you have a much better chance of, of, of winning. And when push comes to shove in a big game, have we ever seen Trey Young make a big defensive stop? No. I don't think so. I mean, last last night, when the game was down was, was on the line... Coming down the wire, Trey Young was substituted out of the, out of the lineup when we were on defense. That says everything we need to know about where his defensive game is at. Boyd Pierce doesn't trust him to play defense in clutch scenarios. If you don't, I was pissed off about this, if he's not out there now to learn that in you know, seemingly you know, in meaningless games that don't really matter for playoffs or anything like that, how is he going to learn how to do that when it actually does count? Keep his ass out there. Make him, like, the best... Ex- the best. He's a realist. He's trying to win a ball game. I understand, but the best
1: teacher is experience. Well, he's got plenty of damn experience now. Playing shitty defense.
0: Yeah. And I guess, but, but that's but it's still... and I, And I get it from his standpoint. He's not a great defender, so you take him out. But we have to... He has to get better at it. And I worry about when we do go to the playoffs, eventually with this team, which I think we have a great chance of doing in the next year or two. How's he going to respond if he doesn't get the chance to really cultivate those skills in the moments that really matter not when it's the second quarter and it's 45 to 42 or you know but when it's down to the wire when it's 120 to 120 because we love high scoring nba games and we need to make a stop and trey's got to be the guy to do it
1: how's he gonna he's learn? never going to be your guy to make a stop you switch off of him, left and right you help defense that's that's just the reality well, of what it is. I just like to see him on the floor to do
0: something like he's that. He's not six eight like Luca. I'm not saying he's, he's yeah. Okay, fine. We could have
1: drafted. Yes, he can lock someone down. He's a better defender, certainly. But we also got Cam Redder, So who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But it's just comparison that will never quit. Yeah,
0: I would just like to see that more next year. Maybe that's just the way it is this year. But I'd, I'd like to see Trey on the floor more in big moments defensively next year. Because if you don't do it. Then, then I guess, yeah, maybe, I mean, you can't give up on him yet. He's a second-year player, for Christ's sake.
1: You're all over the place right now. <laughs> I am. <laughs>
0: Who's going to give up on him? No,
1: give up on him defensively.
0: Give up on him defensively. I don't want to give up on right. him defensively. And, and the, this message we're saying right now is saying, yes, we have given up on him defensively.
1: No, the, the, the hope is that he can be adequate. But if you need a stop, you're not going to have an adequate defender. You want to have your best defender on the court. It's fine right. if we learn how to play and win without Trey on the court. It's a team game, Graham more of an individual game than it's ever been. Well, it should be a team game.
0: It should be. But that 2014-2015 that Hawks team is, is the last great God, like, team-based NBA team you'll ever see. Well, I was, now i
1: never win a championship. When I was sitting on your porch waiting for you to get here, I was watching uh, someone posted a highlight of uh, Kyle Korver hitting four threes in a row. Mm. Man, that was a fun
0: team to watch. Oh, yeah. Seeing Jeff Teague now just hurts me. I just, oh, I just think about that magical season. I'm like, God. Well Teague's a shell of himself. Yeah. He hasn't been as trash as as, as as he was when he started out though, which I mean doesn't really matter. But No. It's 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 he's not embarrassing himself anymore. Yeah. So Well, I think that wraps us up, Adam. I don't think we can try to talk about Atlanta United unless you really want to.
1: Well I'll just mention that they're uh, 2-0, which probably mentioned that Joseph Martinez is out for the season. That's a pretty big development. That is a big development,
0: Um, even though we were about three weeks late on that or two
1: weeks. Well, that's fine. Um, I'm sure some people don't know out in San Diego. Sure. Um, So my boy Adam Jan Mm -hmm. is the big replacement.
0: Yeah.
1: Although I think we just signed someone else a couple days ago maybe. You're not the guy to ask. I'm not the guy to ask. Okay, so... Uh,
0: what well, do you think? I'm, I'm on an Atlanta sports podcast or something like <laughs> yeah. that? Did have information at my fingertips?
1: Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, they won without him at home. 69,000 strong came out. Yeah. Um, they still look strong. I'm, 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 there's good players on this team. Against Cincinnati. I, I, I find myself a little more interested in watching them without Joseph Martinez because I feel like the Joseph... Mar- then with Joseph Martinez, is kind of like what the Hawks are with Trey Young, where everyone just wants Trey Young to score. and definitely. There's other people on that team that could step up and do it themselves. Yeah, it definitely so.
0: puts, shines a light on Barco, who I think has certainly stepped up in Joseph's absence, as well as pity, our pity. Um, and those guys, you know, have done an admirable job, I think, of filling in as the sort of main offensive forces on the team. Barco missed a couple of shots in that Cincinnati game, but he came through when he needed to on the on the third one when they went up one nothing. And Guzan is just consistent as they come. Really have always appreciated that guy's effort. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. And the, the MLS season's so damn long. I mean I don't know if there's a chance that Joseph can come back. But I don't even, I don't think that's probably realistic. You probably need a year of, of surgery then rehab. But, yeah, it does make it more interesting to watch Atlanta United because it does they don't seem like this overwhelming power anymore with, with Joseph Martinez. Even when they were going through all the Frank DeBoer shit last year where they wouldn't get off to a hot start, you knew it was a matter of time because of the talent on the team, yeah. particularly with Joseph. Now it's like everybody's got to sort of bear down. You might, you're might you going to probably see more slower games than you're accustomed to. you are probably see games that are reminiscent of, of how last season started. Maybe not in the sense that we can't do anything offensively, but... You know, more ball control kind of games where you're trying to eke out a one nothing win, a, a, a two a two nothing, two one win kind well, of thing.
1: And on the flip side, we'll be very interesting to see what happens if all these uh Atlanta United fans who have are used to great soccer, uh if the team's not so hot this year, Graham. Oh, uh, then you you want your prediction to come true. We'll be I'll just be looking to see if we see a few flags disappearing or which I don't see happening. They seem like a very loyal fan base. Mm-hmm yeah, so, no, uh, I don't think it will happen. But it's something to watch for. Anyways. Sure.
0: Well, that was our attempt at talking about United. Not the worst thing in the world. Not great.
1: Yeah. It, it is what it is. Yeah. We you, tried. You get what you pay for. Yep. <laughs> 90% of the people at priority are just fast-forwarded. Yeah, yeah the or, they of just, or they just clicked out of the window. Yep. Well,
0: everybody, I think that wraps up our show for this week. Thanks for listening. We will...
1: See you next week, right? No, uh, unless you get sick again. Yeah, I think I'm good to go now. Okay. It's funny that everyone was questioning the fact that I was actually sick. Yeah. By by everyone, I mean our friend group, which I don't know why I would be faking being sick to my friends versus like, if you're my job, yeah, you can question me. Or if I'm going, like, trying to miss school, okay. But like, faking sick to hang out, that doesn't make any sense. But then as soon as I told them, I was like, Hey, you know how I you know I was sick? I bought a six pack of beer on Monday, and today's Friday, and there's six beers in that six pack still. And everyone's like, Holy shit, you really were sick. Yeah. That's just un American. But it's like, Good lord, back off.
0: Oh, that's the litmus test. <laughs> <laughs> there's leftover beer during the week. You uh, are sick. Adam man. was sick. Yeah. We, we just thought you had to catch up on your Bob Hart Abishola marathon. Oh, that's
1: what Sundays are for, Greg. That's fair.
0: Yeah. All right. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Rise up. Shop on. Stay in Brotherhood. Unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospitometer soup.